All right, we got everybody comfortable? You got your coffee? Good to go? Uh, we are in the last week of... Um, we're in, in the last week of um, Guardrails. We're doing this five-week series called Guardrails. And um, all good? Uh, we're... <laughs> This last week of guardrails, we've been in for five weeks doing this little mini-series. Jesus has been talking about things that we should guard our, guard our lives, guard our lives against. Um, <laughs> okay, so I don't, I don't want to recap all five weeks. Let's just see if we can talk about what is a guardrail. Like what is a guardrail? What, is a guardrail? what do guardrails do? Guardrails, um, they protect us um, in, our, in our community group. Um, Mr. David Lee, who, who apparently knows everything there is to know about guardrails, um, he says, like, they're designed to be three feet from the edge, so you've got plenty of buffer. They're, like, soft. and, all, and like, they, There's a certain way they're designed. There's a certain height, all that kind of stuff, to make sure. I'm sorry. I'm a little busy right now. Yeah, what? Yeah. Oh, thanks. All right. Bye. So anyway, what I was saying was we've been talking about these things we should guard our lives against. And so just recapping what we've talked about over the last four weeks. We've talked about um, hypocrisy, greed, anxiety, apathy, all things we should guard our lives against. Today we're going to guard our lives against one more thing. Can anybody guess what it may be? Cell phones. <laughs> Distractions. Jesus finishes up his message saying, like, we need to guard our lives against distractions. Things that can keep us from doing what we know we're supposed to do. Listen, guardrails, um, they're there to protect us. They kind of damage our cars a little bit if we hit them, but they keep us from going over the edge. And so over the edge of our lives are distractions. And in Luke chapter 12, you're going to see these, you're going to see these two distractions that Jesus warns us against. Now, full disclosure, we're going to read it in just a minute. You're never going to hear the word distraction. Okay. You're never going to hear Jesus say distraction, but you're going to hear him talk about things that can get us off the road, off the course, and can totally jack our lives up. Luke chapter 12, start in verse 49. Jesus says this, I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it was already kindled. Now that's a weird way to start, okay? I don't think Jesus is asking for s'mores, all right? Although that's cool, I like s'mores. I don't think he's talking about, I wish there was a campfire and I wish I had a hot dog and all this kind of stuff. He's, gonna, he's talking about why he came to earth, Okay? He's saying, look, I came to do something, and it's still not done. Can anybody in the room relate to unfinished projects? Okay, I, I was telling somebody today, I read a lot, a lot of chapter ones, right? I mean, I am the king of chapter one reading. I read a lot of chapter ones, and if the book doesn't grab me, it goes back on the shelf, and it doesn't ever get finished. Um, gosh, Wendy just puts up with me so much. I am, I'm not a handyman at all. But I am also the king of doing a project almost to completion. And then three years later, she's like, are we ever going to finish that, right? Um, I just, 
unfinished stuff. Man, I, I get it. And what Jesus is saying is, I came to do something and it's not done. He says, but I have a baptism to undergo, which is also a weird thing. Commentators would say this. When he talks about baptism, he's saying, I came to have a baptism of death. I came to go to the cross. This is why I came to the earth. And so I've got a baptism to undergo. And what constraint I'm under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Now listen, the next few verses are going to be weird. Especially if you enjoy Christmas, right? Who doesn't love Christmas, right? You get Christmas cards and they say, peace on earth, goodwill to men. But what did Jesus just say? He said, I didn't come to bring peace, but division. Which is kind of weird, right? It doesn't sound very Jesus-like. Let's keep going. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And what you're thinking right now is, Jesus just described Thanksgiving at my house, right? Like, this this is my family reunion right here. Everybody's fighting. Let's continue. He said to the crowd, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Now listen, quick commentary. We are a culture obsessed with weather. I've lived long enough to know. I've watched it happen from my very eyes. The 11 o'clock news used to be, if it bleeds, it leads, right? And then sports, weather. Now it's little lead story, weather, sports, weather, right? We have weather apps. We check, we check this stuff all the time. We know the weather. And Jesus is saying, look, you can, you can actually look at the sky and go, yeah, it's, it's going to, oh, something's where my... My joints hurt today. It's going to rain, right? We know the weather. But he said, but you don't know the times that you live in. It's important. We'll come back to it in a minute. Then he says in 57, why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled on the way. Or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge may turn you over to the officer, and the officer might throw you into prison. And I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny so listen Jesus is going to end this chapter talking about two guardrails uh, that that we've got to put in place to keep us from two very big distractions okay I'm going to give you the distractions first and I'll give you the guardrails here's the two distractions we've got to guard ourselves against you can't relate to either one of them I'm sure number one drama if you are a preteen I just described your entire life drama Right? Like our, our dinner, ta- dinner table conversations go like this with Parker, Will, and Sydney. They'll, we're eating, I'll just go, how's school? And they'll go, drama, drama. I mean, it's everywhere, right? If you work with people, drama. And so just talking about drama, that's one thing we've got to guard ourselves against is drama in relationships. And then here's the second thing, deadlines. Ugh, deadlines, right? We've got to guard against deadlines because here's what happens with drama we either get caught up in the drama right and how many of you know if you get caught up in drama you totally lose focus on where you need to go 
and or deadlines. Now, I don't know how you are with deadlines. Um, you ever heard that phrase paralysis of analysis? Like when you're like, I know I've got to get it done, but you just don't do anything. You're just so overwhelmed with it. That deadline can so overwhelm you that you actually ignore it. You don't do anything with it. And that leads to procrastination. Now, if I asked you on a scale of one to 10, where would you rate yourself when it comes to procrastination? I don't know where you would be, right? 10, is that good? 10's a good thing? No, he's like, 10's a bad, 15. So I want to give you two guardrails that you can put in your lives. That you'll, these are things you'll recognize, okay? Again, what's a guardrail for? A guard, when you hit it, you know you hit a guardrail, right? I mean, if you're driving a car and you hit a guardrail, you're like, I know I hit something. So you're going to hit these. You're going to feel these in your lives. And when you hit them, you need to stop and ask yourself, hold up. There's a reason I'm hitting this. Am I going to continue in the drama, continue into a deadline and procrastination, or am I going to keep going on the mission? Okay, here's guardrail number one. Guardrail number one. Jesus is talking about this, this time thing. He's talking about, um, about this, um, the family, like you're fighting with your mother-in-law and all this kind of stuff. It's really weird. It doesn't make any sense. No peace. I came to bring division. But what Jesus is really saying is increased tension about Jesus. Okay, that's the first guardrail, increasing tension about Jesus. Now, let me be very clear. Um, some, of, some of us, we know what increased tension is like in our relationships, right? Like any relationship, there's going to be tension. There's going to be drama. There's going to be friction. But I want to press in a little harder on you today, okay? This is not about just normal relationship tension, this is about tension because of Jesus. This is increasing tension about Jesus. So when we read these verses and Jesus says, look, I didn't come to bring peace on earth. I came to bring division. That word in the Greek, although it sounds so un-Jesus-like for him to say that, what he's not saying is love me and hate your mama, right? Which is good news because you, you don't want to be hating your mama. Okay, we just celebrated Mother's Day. Don't be hating your mama, right? He's not saying, love me, hate everybody else. This is a Greek word that talks about allegiance. Okay? This is, where is your allegiance? This is about focus more than it is about fighting. In other words, have you ever experienced this? Have you ever started sharing your faith with somebody and they, they look at you and they're like, would you stop talking about Jesus all the time? Stop. I, I, I can't stand it when we talk about Jesus. And so suddenly you just went all in with Jesus and you going all in exposed how all out everybody else is. And if you've ever experienced that, that's awkward. Tons of tension there. And you can relate to this verse when Jesus is saying, look, I didn't come to bring peace. I'm going to actually cause division among your family, among your friends, among the people that are closest to you. I was a youth pastor for two decades I would tell my teenagers all the time, listen, when you go all in with Jesus, your friends at school are not going to give you a hard time. It's the people you're sitting with right here in youth group that will tell you to stop. Because you will expose, your passion will expose their lack of passion. So here's how this plays out in the family. I told you one time that I, I, had, I, had, I told you one time I had a girlfriend. Okay, that sounds funny. But I did have a girlfriend one time. And she did go to church one day without me. And when she came back from church, I was like, so how was church? And she said, it was great. God called me to the mission field. And I went, really? But you're not going, are you? 
And then I didn't want her to go because I didn't want her to mess up our relationship. So I became, right, that increasing tension about Jesus in her life. I became the drama that throttled her down on her passion for Jesus. You're going to encounter people like that. Parents, this is, this is how we do it with our children. Your children, come, they go to Kid City. They come home and they are just, I mean, they're jacked about Jesus, right? They are so pumped. And you're like, it's just a phase. They'll grow out of it. And then they become teenagers. And Jesus gets a hold of their life. And they can't stop talking about Jesus. And as a parent, you're almost like, could you just tone it down a little? I mean, maybe not at school. We don't want to be those people. We don't want to let other people throttle our passion for Jesus. We don't want to let other people cause the tension that would make us be distracted into that drama instead of staying focused on the task. It's so easy to ignore that tension and just keep going into the drama. But I love how Andy Stanley says it. Pay attention to the tension, right? So when you hit that guardrail, it's like, ah, my relationship with these people just got a little bit awkward because I, I'm just so crazy in love with Jesus. And every time I talk about it, they're just looking at me like I got three heads and I don't know what to do. And Jesus says, I'll tell you what to do. Come with me because I'm not finished yet and you're coming with me. We got something to do. And we're not going to let increasing tension in our relationships over me keep us from doing it. And don't be embarrassed of Jesus. That's what he's saying. Don't allow those distractions to remove the attraction. When, when, I, when we got married, I've told the whole story, but I'll just Reader's Digest version. But when we got married, I remember standing in front of the church, kind of like this, you know, maybe a few more people, and just being so doggone nervous. There's so much to think about. Like, you know, is it as hot in here to everybody else as this to me right now? You know, like you got this tux on. It feels like it's 328 degrees under the tux. And all of a sudden, the door's open, and here comes Wendy. And she was beautiful, is beautiful, always has been beautiful. Can you imagine if I had allowed all the distractions in that room, you know, the, the family member who's sitting over here nodding off already and the kid over here picking her nose, you know, like all the things that happen when you have a crowd of people together. If I had been so caught up in those distractions and not focused on Wendy as she walked down the aisle. What Jesus is saying to us is, look, don't allow these distractions to remove the attraction. That's your big idea. Don't let distractions remove the attraction. Jesus came to do something. What did he come for? He came to go to the cross, right? He came to go to the cross because there was this sin, sin that separated us from God. There was no way for us to fix it. And he's like, I'm coming. I'm going to fix that. And he says, I wish I was already done, but I'm not. And I can't get caught up in all this distraction. I've got something to do. Well, that was his mission. What's our mission? Our mission is to follow Jesus, to be as close to Jesus as we possibly can, to fall so madly in love with Jesus that when I get cut, Jesus comes out. That is our mission. We are attracted to Jesus. Man, and we don't want to let distractions remove that. We don't want to let distractions get us so focused over here on the stuff that's going on, drama and deadlines that we forget that we're attracted to him. So guardrail number one, increasing tension about Jesus. Distractions. Guardrail number two. We talked about procrastination earlier. Here's why that's so important. Because Jesus starts talking about these, 
the weather, which is kind of odd, like you know the weather, but you don't know the time. And he starts talking about going to court, right? And what do these have in common? They have time in common. They've got time in common. So here's what Jesus is saying. Recognize and understand the times that you live in. So if increasing tension about Jesus is one guardrail, the other guardrail is decreasing time for Jesus. Now, I don't know if you're aware that time is a limited resource. These, these distractions, it's so important that we don't let these distractions get in the way. Jesus says this, look, you recognize when it's going to rain, but you don't recognize anything else, else about the times that you live in. He says, and you're walking with somebody on the way to court. I've never been to court for anything bad, right? You're walking with somebody on the way to court. And he says, look, as you're going to court, do everything you can to fix it on the way. Because if you don't fix it here on the way, what's going to happen is you're going to get to court, stand before a judge. He's going to throw your butt in jail. So while you can, work it out. Come to some agreement, some arrangement, reconcile the difference on the way. Because if you don't, you're going to run out of time. Deadlines. Deadlines. I'm not sure that we really recognize the time that we live in. Let me give you two examples. Two weeks from this past Friday, Parker will graduate. Holy cow, my sons are graduating from high school. You know what that means? That means that as a father, I am right up against a guardrail of decreasing time. Because two months after they graduate, they're going to go to college. I was having lunch with a friend of mine. He said, how are you doing? I said, I cry all the time. He said, are you okay? Do you need counseling? I said, I don't know what I need, but I mean, I've been crying for five years. I said, it's just the way my mind works, right? Like, I, I don't, five, you can ask, when, five years ago, we were on a family vacation at the beach, and I start crying. She goes, what's wrong? I goes, they're, they're going to graduate. She's like, five years from now? I said, but we've only got five beach trips left. You know, it's just the way my mind works, right? It's just the way my mind, my mind works that way. So the question is, that when you recognize the decreasing time that we have to do things for Jesus, what do we do as a result? And for some of us, we freeze up, right? I don't know what to do, so we end up doing nothing. And that deadline pulls us into procrastination. And what Jesus is saying is recognize that you have decreasing time to do what you need to do. And then just go do it. Just go do it. Let me ask you a hypothetical question. Even if you aren't crazy about Jesus, even if you just kind of love Jesus, but you recognize there's a heaven and there's a hell, but you don't really think about it a lot, just think about this. If you knew that your neighbor was going to die tomorrow, and you knew that your neighbor didn't love Jesus, what would you do with your neighbor tonight? I think you would have a conversation. And it wouldn't be about the weather. It would be about the very real possibility that tomorrow they're facing eternity without Jesus. That's what Jesus is talking about. Not just decreasing time. I mean, I, I wish I had more time right now with my sons, but that's just a dad with the sons. This is eternity. And Jesus is saying, recognize the time that you live in. Recognize that you have decreasing time to do things for me. Jesus is saying this, decreasing time is a guardrail. 
that will get us back on the road, away from distractions, busy about the things that matter the most. I love when Jesus talks about things that even he, that even he had to face. Um, there's this crazy story in John chapter 9. We won't read all of it now. You can Google it and look it up later. Um, but John chapter 9, there's this story about spit spit and sin, right? There's this guy that can't see at all. And so some people walk up and they say to Jesus, so who sinned, this man or his parents that he can't see? And Jesus is like, nobody sinned. You know, he's just, he's the way he is now because right now I'm going to pray and God's going to be glorified. But he says this interesting thing in verse four. He says, work while it's day because night is coming when no man works. And I know if you have third shift, you're like, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. I work hard third shift, right? I get it. I get it. But what Jesus is saying is, work while you can. Because there's a time coming when you won't be able to work. What is Jesus talking about? The the guardrail of decreasing time for Jesus. So even Jesus faced the guardrail of decreasing time. He hit up against it and went, hold up, we got to do something right now. Because there's a time coming that we cannot do anything else. Deadlines are like that. Increasing tension about Jesus is real. Decreasing time for Jesus is real. These are guardrails that keep us going down the path towards the mission that he wants for us. Now, there's something about knowing the end is near that focuses us, doesn't it? Like we don't play around and mess around Um, I used the phrase fart around in the first service. I'm not sure if I can use it in the second service, although I just did, which was my way of saying I don't really care. We don't want to do that with our time when we only have so much time left. Now, I've given you examples from Scripture, right? But now I'm going to give you examples from one of the best movies ever made right up on the screen. Check this out. from time to time, okay, honey? 
I love you, Grace. I love you, too. Gotta go now, honey. Daddy, no. No, no, Dad, no. In Ephesians chapter 5, um, Paul's writing, and he writes about how we should live. And here's what he says. Be very careful then how you live. Ephesians 5, 15. Not as unwise, but as wise. And then verse 16 says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Um, in some translations, what that says is redeeming the time. And, and NIV says making the most of every opportunity. Here's what it means in the Greek. I love this. So to redeem something means to purchase it, right? And so in the Greek, what that means is own the time you have. Own the time you have. Now, if we were taking a survey, most of us would say that time owns us, right? We get to the end of the day, and we think back about what we did, and we're like, I did something. And what you did was you wasted another day. We wasted another opportunity on this planet to share the gospel of Jesus with somebody. But own the time you have. Get up in the morning with a plan for how you're going to own the time that you've been given. That's what Jesus is talking about in Luke chapter 12. Recognize that, yeah, there's decreasing time for Jesus, and so we're going to act for him. And when we act for him, it's going to increase tension about Jesus, especially among family and close friends. And yet we're not going to stop. We're not going to give in to drama and deadlines. We're going to continue to go down the road because we have a mission and we have a passion and an attraction to Jesus and we're not going to let distractions keep us from that. Now, we're going to end this morning praying over you. But before we do that, I've got, um, I've got Craig who shared, Craig Hatley shared this morning in early morning prayer just something that God had shown him um, recently. And I was like, man, you have got to share that today. It's perfect. And so um, I'm going to let Craig come share that and then we'll um, start wrapping this thing up. So this morning, I'm on my way to church, and um, I'm running a little bit late, so I'm driving a little fast, not speeding too bad, but still a little fast. And there's a wheat field to my right as I'm coming uh, by, and I get to where my headlights can see, and there's a couple of deer heads popped up just not too far off the side of the road. I was like, oh, and then when I'm ducks down, when I got closer, well, I go just a little bit further up, and I'm going around the curve, same wheat fields to my right, and a cat runs in front of me. I'm like, dude, I better slow down. Well, about that time, another deer cuts across that field in front of me. And I mean, he is, he is on a hardcore angle. He is going to run in front of me. It doesn't matter what I do. And I am in, in a you know, fairly large vehicle. I am jamming on brakes, even to the point that I'm starting to slide. And I just barely missed him. I mean, he just squeaked by just barely. Well, I was thanking the Lord. I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you that I didn't hit this deer. And the Holy Spirit prompted me. And he said, no, you need to thank him that he got your attention. And I was like, hmm, that's pretty good. Well, I started thinking about the past uh, week uh, that our family's gone through. Not yesterday, but Saturday a week ago, um, my sister-in-law um, it, it was not doing very well. She's been sick, and uh, she was not in a relationship with Jesus. Well, through a simple act of obedience, her and uh, her daughter both came to know the Lord Saturday a week ago. Well, this past Tuesday, she went home to be with Jesus. She passed away. And so... It, it's amazing the, the importance of, of that urgency, you know, of reaching out when we need to. 
Well, that happened on Tuesday when she passed away. Wednesday night, I'm out feeding my dog late, and I like to just spend time looking up in the sky, talking to God, just sort of hanging out for a few minutes. And while I'm doing that, looking up in, you know, to the starry night, I don't know if you've ever seen on television before, sometimes in a movie or something, they'll sort of shake the screen, and you know, the image sort of just zigzags around. Well, that's what happened to the sky in, in front of my eyes. All the stars and everything went shh, shh and just sort of shook, and then something that looked like a lightning bolt went across the sky, and light was shining through, and it was like the sky was tearing apart. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, this thing's about to end. This thing's about over. Now, I don't know if that means he's coming back tonight. I don't know if that means he's coming back in a 1,000 years, but seeing what happened with my family, seeing that there are people that die and go into eternity every day, go to hell without a relationship with him, man, it just poured a sense of urgency in me. And I think God, just like the, the animals this morning, you know, keeping, he, he got my attention to keep me from hitting that deer. I, I think God's using this to get my attention. Hey, Craig, Craig, you need to pay attention. There's something that needs to be done. So I just want to share that. Thanks. So what I love about, about, I love a lot about that story, but one thing I love is I've lived long enough to be in church a lot where I've, I mean, I was born in church. So I've heard preacher after preacher say, these are the last days, these are the last days, Jesus is coming back. Who, we don't know, right? But what we do know is that there's less time today than there was yesterday. We know that for sure, for a fact. And there'll be less time tomorrow than there is today. This decreasing time for Jesus is real. It's a real guardrail that we really bump up against all the time. The question is, what will we allow that to do? I want that to allow us to go all in even more on Jesus, right? To not get distracted at all. Um, Friday night, we were at community group, and um, we our community group is at the Lee home. And so if you know Bryson Lee, Bryson's uh, about this tall and just like, but this full of awesomeness, right? He's just so cute. He's always just full of energy. And after, after community group, we're all outside and um, we're just kind of hanging out, drinking coffee, whatever, talking. And I saw him start running towards me from the other side of the yard and he was being chased. I think by, by his sister, I'm not sure, but I think it was this, because that's what sisters do, but she's chasing him and, and Bryson runs like this. You know, just like lots of motion, but not a lot of movement, right? Just, that's how he runs. And so... That was really good. That's pretty close, isn't it, Cole? I'm mean, pretty close, right? And um, he's tearing across the field like that, you know, just running, looking back, laughing. And he got next to me, I mean, right next to me. And he just, all he said was, bro, don't distract me. <laughs> bro, don't distract me. Just kept on going, right? I think I just cramped up in my chest doing that. But that's, it's so important. It's so important to not be distracted. He was going somewhere, right? Bryson had a goal, and I'm not going to distract him. I mean, that's what, that's what we want for our lives. We want to not be distracted from the things that God is calling us to. Cindy, will you, you come up too? Um. It's amazing how God, how God, I, I just know he wants to communicate this to us. There's no doubt in my mind. This is um, Cindy Pope. Everybody say, hey, Cindy. And um, she wanted to share something as well that goes right along with what we're talking about. So, Good morning. Hold that thing up there so I can hear you. Okay. Um, 
My 21-year-old grandson died yesterday of a heroin overdose. My son and I had begged his family, please stop enabling him. Please stop. With the money and the cars, they just kept coming and coming. And uh, so he died yesterday. And I just want to tell you, if anybody, if you know anybody, if you are somebody that has an addiction, please get help. Get help today. Get help today. Don't wait another day because it's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised. And if, if my message can save one child, one adult, anybody, I've been there and I got saved and I'm I need for others to get saved, and I'll be here. If somebody wants to talk to me, talk to somebody, talk to Paul, anybody, please. Last Monday, they took him to a treatment center, and he didn't have one paper that he needed to get in. He overdosed last Saturday, and this Saturday he died. And uh, my daughter-in-law, Shelly, died of an overdose. It's an epidemic. And... Uh, some of the drug dealers, they enhance the heroin with fentanyl because if somebody dies on their heroin, that means it's the best and they get more customers. So that's where that is. And poor Blake, he grew up in the church, but he had turned his back on it. And he didn't say he didn't believe in God, but he did say he didn't believe in religion. And when the coroner brought him out, they asked if we wanted to pray over him, and his father said no. He thought it would be disrespectful, but I did pray over that boy, and I prayed for God to accept him. And that's my prayer for today. But if anybody, you know anybody, you even think it, have that talk with them before it's too late, before the end is here. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Just to make sure that you understand this. Um, so I would never ask Cindy to share that. She came to me and said, please, can I share this? And what I want you to hear in her voice is the guardrail of decreasing time for Jesus. And the guardrail of increasing tension about Jesus. Because what you just heard her say was, I don't care how awkward it is, get Jesus. Because you don't have tomorrow promised. That's what Craig was sharing. That's what Jesus is saying. I mean, how many more ways do we need to hear this, right? It's what God's saying to our church. It's what he's saying in our city. It is an epidemic. But we still have time to do something about it. And I'm asking you, I want to pray over you. Own the time you have. Redeem that time. Own it. Don't let it own you. Own the time you have. Don't be distracted.